Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. His ass should have been donated to some gay charity <laughs> called me. Um... <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? It is me, Eric Williams, and this week we have an Emmy Award winner on the Fooking Podcast. This is Ryan O'Connell's week, and I try to manifest this with Marla Mandel, if you remember from the first ep of this season, so dreams are coming true. Speaking of... The Gay Ass Live show last week was a dream come true. Thank you so much for the people in LA who came. And to all the guests, just a shout out to all of them. It was another incredible night. Um, I didn't announce this anywhere because I, I, I had reasons. But my parents made a last minute trip to come see the show. <laughs> it was their first time ever seeing a Gay Ass Live show. And they, to their credit, did great. They loved the show. They were so sweet. I had such a funny conversation though with darby lynn cartwright from imho the show such a fan of her and alexis bevels uh, but darby said that she had a conversation with my mom after the show where she was like you know it's okay know that your husband is not eric's father referring to the fact that i am six feet two my family is all you know two feet tall and my mom of course was like well no 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 he is his father darby's like no no no, it's okay i know i know eric's really tall it's okay he's not the father my mom's like no I was there. He's, it's like, okay. Um, so my parents are funny and great people, but I think my fucked up sense of humor is trauma, trauma. Uh, but the show was incredible and I'm tired of teasing it. So I'm going to tell you that the official date for the New York show is June 29th. Put it in your callies and the ticket link should be up sometime next week. So stay tuned for that. And for everyone in New York or in the tri-state area, look out for that. It's going to be a very big one and to celebrate the end of Pride. So rest up. Let's get into this conversation with Ryan O'Connell. This has been a long time coming. C-U-M-M-I-N-G. We talk about sex, taking thirst traps, uh, my very random connection with Ryan's boyfriend from over 15 years ago. So I'm thrilled he's here. I'm thrilled you're listening. And I just got another five-star review that made my butthole go... So feel free to add to the pucker. I love you so much. Enjoy this app with Ryan O'Connell. Last time 
let's get into it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> it is my dear, gorgeous guest of the week, Ryan O'Connell, is on That's a Gay Ass Podcast. I said it when you just logged in, but this is a big fucking deal for me. And thank you for coming on this podcast. It really is huge. Of course, well, you know, I listened to the pod with Marla because I have gone full stage mommy with Marla. Like, I, re- I read every piece of press. I listen to every podcast because... I've known Marla for a long, long time. Uh. She's writing partners with my boyfriend, Jonathan. And honey, I've seen them on their journey. Honey. And it's been it's been harrowing. It's been harrowing to watch them. They've been in the trenches. They've been working their ass off. Well, especially and... when they're both such stars, your boyfriend and Marla both. And yes. like they need their flowers. They really do. And and Jonathan's now a total novelista. And uh, and Marla has Titanic, and I just I'm so proud of her. Like genuinely, like I just I'm so obsessed because she worked on Titanic for years, like years and years and years. And I'm just so obsessed with it. I love I it. I could love not it. agree more. I I finally got to see the show like a month or two back, and it was one of those things where I felt like it was made for me. Like I made it about me, of course, because it felt yeah. so so perfect, and it should take over the the fucking world. I think it will. I think they have. I mean, from what Jonathan's told me, they. It feels like it's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Which cackle vibes? Okay, so so since we're being vulnerable, I need to tell you a connection to you that is devastating. Are you ready for it? Yes, let's go there. We're going there for me to tell you that Ryan, twenty years ago, I did a musical with your boyfriend in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, wow. Okay, so you know Jonathan from his Wachter days. Well, to say that I know him is a stretch. Um, I was in the youth chorus of the ensemble at the Muni in St. Louis, and Jonathan was in the first show. I, I was the, the show I did was Jesus Christ Superstar. I was probably 14 years old in the throes of puberty, fully hating myself. And I remember seeing this really tall, beautiful, deep voice actor, and yep. I thought, I'll never see him again. And cut to now, I'm interviewing <laughs> his gorgeous partner. Look at that. Well, you know, here's the deal. Musical theater, Titanic notwithstanding, is a real big blind spot for me. Not to sound ablest! <laughs> um, because I just don't get it. I really, really don't. And so it's been it's been hard. It's been hard because Jonathan, that's where he comes from. Yeah. That's his origin story. And when he and Marla and all the musical theater people, the CCM people, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called, they get together. I, honey, it's different language. It's different language. And I wish them well. I wish them well. Of course, I mean, <laughs> very, very Gwyneth Paltrow. I wish, I wish you well vibes. Do you <laughs> find that when they are musical theatering, is it just that you A, don't know the references, B, don't like the references, or C, all the above? See all of the above. Oh. I feel like when I watch musicals, I'm like, why are they talking this way? I mean, I kind of feel that way about like plays, but like vaguely too. It's like, like a play is like literally someone like running up and down the stairs being like, are you going to take the job in Cincinnati? <laughs> And I'm like, it's always Cincinnati. It's always Cincinnati. Um, so you just the theater, theatrical art form as a whole. Can you name one theatrical performance production that you've seen that you've walked away being like, besides Titanic, that you lived? Oh, that's a really good question. I did see the original cast of Spring Awakening mm. in 2008, and I was on I was on OxyContin. It was my first time taking OxyContin, <laughs> and it was those it was those 80 milligram pills before they got rid of the timer, like before you know the ones that were really killing people. Sure. And uh, and I took it, and I went to go see it, and I remember it being really good. <laughs> so Oxy, notwithstanding, loves a uh, spring and summer. Um, I actually I actually did like it, and I liked the music. I I think I remember downloading a few songs from it, being like, okay. 
it? Like slap. Oh, oh, and also this is really embarrassing. I saw Chicago with Ren- the movie with Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta Jones in high school and was like, I like this. Like, okay, I get it. I do you think know? Chicago transcends. The movie the Chicago film transcends. I've never seen like, you know, the musical on stage because like who cares? But like I thought the movie slapped. Well, I think that's why people saw Jinx Monsoon is because no one cared about the musical, but they cared about Jinx Monsoon. And that's why the ticket pr- the box office did so well. Well, and another dark truth about me, and I swear to God, I'll stop digging myself a grave this early in the podcast. I also haven't really watched Drag Race. I know. like, So it, you watch... It's fucked up. It's really <laughs> fucked jo- jo- Jonathan is like, really, like, we're we're on the outs about this. Like, he is furious at me. He doesn't understand. And oh. the way it feels for me is like, and, I, and by the way, I've met a lot of them. Like, I remember doing press for special and stuff. I would go on a lot of their podcasts and stuff like that and they're all amazing and i would feel such guilt for like not having watched any of is it overwhelmed that you can't get into it at this stage yes it feels like i'm way too late to the party and how could i ever catch up i want you to feel then like at least it's not like you hate gay people or you think that queer culture deserves not nary a lick of respect it's that you're just too overwhelmed and that is something that is very relatable the only reason i got into it is because i had an ex-boyfriend who forced it upon my eyeballs and cut to now 12 years later and i it's like a drug you can't stop Wow, when non-consensual yields positive results. The only time. <laughs> and by the by, it doesn't mean that I, I watch it religiously. And I'm, I will go on the record on this very podcast and say that this season was a season that I felt zero requirements of watching every episode because i cared about three out of the 58 of them so okay but can i just say something honey to like hold you accountable okay um and to hold gay people accountable i feel like every time i talk to a gay person about it it's that response <laughs> it's been good that's like okay. they're like yeah this season sucks it's been going on for that and so i'm like does everyone just have stockholm syndrome about this program like is everyone just kind of coast is it riding the coattails of its like earlier years and are people just absolutely trapped because by the way i feel that way about housewives oh have, wow I've, you I've are been, digging yourself a grave no 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 i know i i love housewives oh. i've enjoyed like no no i do what i'm what i'm saying is i relate to a stockholm being having stockholm syndrome with something that you've watched forever like yes. i'm with the girls from beverly hills and i have watched season upon season of nothing happening <laughs> them fighting over a dog named lucy loopy apple, lucy, juicy. Lucy, apple juice and like it's not okay but i'm here and i will i will follow them to the ends of the earth yeah i'm not saying it's right but it's okay well listen and just like you chose your oxy for spring awakening we all choose our drug on these days and for you it's our rhobh for some it is rpdr and for others it is g and k however I will say that I watched The Real Housewives of Jersey last night even, and I did say to myself, why do I spend the few hours I have on this earth? Jersey is one of the only ones I don't watch because it's family and it kind of spooks me. Oh, spooky. Because like, it's like tearing apart families. No, and, and, uh, and you made the right decision because last night it was just another chapter of a family being fully decimated. It's a real sweet spot in terms of enjoying that program. In, in like in all the franchises because they need to be ridiculous they kind of need to be repugnant but it can really cross a line yeah. where it can become very very dark and i like i don't even quite know what the line is but you know when it's turned yes and all of a sudden it becomes unwatchable it's like dorinda the arc of dorinda is very like that dorinda is a microcosm of the real housewives franchise i also think like it the, the line becomes fun 
pettiness into fighting that becomes like hurtful and problematic like i know that luann gets her flowers for her being her big personality do i think her cabaret is a full crime i do do i think that the soundbite of her with a young teenager saying that who wants to be a model her telling her that one day she can lose the weight i'm like that transcends the that that crosses the line for fun well her her arc as a person as a character because let's be honest they are characters um is fascinating i mean luann has been kind of giving it for years and years and years because you could not script her journey you really couldn't because she started off as very hoity-toity very kind of offensive very mean Mm -hmm. um you know very full of herself and then she had the fall from grace of getting divorced and she was a little humbled by that Mm -hmm. then she kind of got her cabaret act where she became kind of a delusional diva thinking that people were actually were seeing her because of her talent rather than kind of just going for the camp value of it all which by the way is what allows it to be camp that she's not in on the joke and then so you saw her get a huge, big head about this, which is deranged. Then you saw her have struggles with substance abuse, which were very real. And I think actually were like her most honest, vulnerable moments that Agreed. really en- endeared yourself to her. But she's also just like a woman who has lived like 80,000 lives. She's basically like a high class grifter. Like when you think about like her origin story, which is like, her living in like what Switzerland and mm-hmm. being like a being like a TV host in Switzerland. I mean, she really is kind of a shapeshifter, and she can really reinvent herself in ways that are truly profound without ever really losing the essence of what makes her incredible. Wow, TED Talk of Luann that actually did sway me. It, there is something about the delusion that is fun to watch. Like a clip recently resurfaced online where there she's on a boat and they're they're playing Sheik's or they say Sheik's say La Vie these gays on another boat. She goes, they know my music. <laughs> They know my music and it's like to see that sense of she thinks that she's an international superstar is may we all aspire to think that highly but with gay men it is a very very blurry line because like gay men do love her yeah. they are sort of they are sort of making fun of her but that's also our love language just to make fun of someone mm. so it's all sort of like the same thing do you know what i mean i do and it's also like I would say, if I may bring up the fact that you wrote on an iconic show, Will and Grace, it's almost like oh a Karen Walker moment. It's like, yeah, she is she problematic? Yeah, but is she? Do we want her to be injected into our veins, honey? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Can absolutely. you answer a really controversial question? Sure. You are an Emmy Award winner. Where in your home is your Emmy or your Emmys? Oh my God, it's really funny you asked that. So the Emmys arrived a few months ago. I want you to know that I had to pay for them. It's a scam. I had to pay for them. Yeah. They were, I think they were like $500 each. What? Just, just full transparency. I love, no, I love this. Yeah. And so that was truly LMAO. And of course you're going to, by the way, they have you buy the fucking balls. What are you going to do? Not buy your fucking Emmy? Like, hello. No, you buy the Emmy. You buy the Emmy. So they arrived, and for some reason, probably some emotional block I have to like unpack with my therapist, I like couldn't really look at them. So I told Jonathan to just put them in my office. I have an office that's detached, and it's where I work, um, but I haven't been there in months. Sure. <laughs> and it's like, it's like you know, it's it's Miami's, it's you know, my award from Cock and Hole Monthly, it's like you know, forty thousand Queerity Awards, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I was just there actually recently for the first time in months working on something. 
And I like was like, what is this box? And then I like looked and I was like, oh, those were the Emmys. And I actually like held it for the first time and saw it. And I was like, oh, we should probably put this on the desk. And so how did it feel to hold them? They're really heavy. Well, for 500 fucking books. I know they better be heavy. But it's also weird because, you know, I won those Emmys for Baby Service Club, which I love. But it was one of those shows where. You know, I worked on it for like a few months. My my good friend Rachel Schuchert show runs it and she invited me to work on it, which I was so grateful because it was during the pandemic and yeah. things were obviously very bleak. And I was like, honey, let's get lost in Stony Brook. I was like, let's fucking party. And I felt like winning those Emmys, I just like kind of felt, I guess I, everyone sort of feels like a sense of imposter syndrome or like a fraud because I felt like my you know, contributions to the show like weren't, you know, huge per se. It's really Rachel's vision. So I was just like, but obviously I'll take it. It just kind of made me feel strange in a way that that. is deeply relatable. (laughs) It's very relatable because I think if, sorry, when I win my Emmys for a show that I probably don't, here's take two. When I win my Emmys for a show that is probably not the show that I thought should have deserved the Emmy that I worked on myself, I will still pay for it and I will still have imposter syndrome until the day I die. Do I talk about it in therapy every week? You bet your baby booty booty. But it is so relatable. And you the fact that you are giving the honesty on this gay ass podcast about the price, we thank you for your cervix. Of course. Well, you know, special was nominated for nominated for Emmys and we lost. And so I felt like in a way like I mean Baby Stars Club deserved all the Emmys because it's right. truly a great show. I just don't know. Like, I just kind of look at it as like a kind of uh, a lifetime achievement award. Yeah, it's Jamie that's, Lee Curtis's Oscar. Yeah, that's how I look at it. A lifetime achievement of working for a decade. Bless, <laughs> that, bless that. And listen, speaking of the time we've put in, I'm going to ask you, Ryan O'Connell, the famous podcast question, which is, what? whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, babe? Wow, that's so, you know... Um, call out culture it works okay so uh there's a couple there's a couple suspects number one is ryan Phillippe's ass and cruel intentions mm. um i remember seeing it in the theaters when i was probably 12 years old my mm. sister and i mean honey you just look at that butt and you're like first of all it devastates me that ryan is straight and that ass existed on a straight man because well. you know you know reese wasn't engaging with the ass no you know that reese was like truly like she was just seeing it as a frontal only yeah she frontal only it's not okay how many straight men that have full-on cabooses that have never had a tongue close to them it's so crazy and obviously there are prostates in there and like it's going in you know totally ignored and so the fact that he was in possession of an ass that looked like that Mm. that was just wasted on a straight woman who would feel like if she did anything to it then that must mean her partner is gay that's just criminal and i feel like it should his ass should have been donated to some gay charity (laughs) called me um and so that's hard but that was really seminal for me also there was a show called popular on the wb was Mm -hmm. ryan murphy's first show and there were these characters mary cherry and the cool julian which were these basically these deranged high school cheerleaders that were like out of a john waters movie and before i before i had read you know susan sontag notes on camp i didn't really understand like what a queer sensibility was because I was not out and because I was like only vaguely aware of the fact that I liked men. And I remember being so obsessed with Nicole Julian and Mary Cherry 
and not really understanding why, other than mm. the fact they they were just like gay men essentially. Right. And I remember watching, reading. I used to read this really really old website called Television Without Pity. I'm gonna date myself. I'm gonna date myself. And Meanwhile, you're probably t- fully twenty six. Ew, thirty six as if. Um, and then basically it was sort of like the original TV recap, and they used to recap popular. And there, there was an episode about Josh Ford, the quarterback, and like whether or not he was like going to make the team. And the recapper was like, "Why do we care about this? The only people who watch this are gay men and women." And I was like, "And me." <laughs> and then it like dawned on me. I was like, "Oh." And then you repeated, oh. "And me." Yeah. Dot 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 dot. So truly, I'm not kidding you. Like reading that recap when I was like 12 years old. That was the first light bulb moment that I might be a little G. Well, that writer literally spelled out the G for ye. And I do think you beautifully capture the dichotomy of coming to terms with being gay, which is a gorgeous plump ass and then camp yeah like there's gonna be yes. there's gonna be an example in both categories i don't know what my first gorgeous ass was that i fell in love with but i'm sure i could deep dive to figure out but there's many to choose from as I, gay men all we need to survive is a steady diet of funny women and fantastic butts cheers to that <laughs> um so ryan Phillippe's asked do you think he has ever been eaten out i don't know why i'm fixated on the tongue part but i feel like it, it no i don't i i well I don't know because he definitely feels like a party boy for sure i i feel like if a girl he was dating at the time was feeling adventurous to do so then maybe yes maybe but i think he would have felt weird about it i think he would have been like okay that's enough you know what i mean (laughs) that's enough yeah is there so then what are you gravitating towards in these days if ryan Philippi was you at 12 years old is there like a type of body or celebrity or person that you're like fully typed into it's kind of weird. It's not so weird, but it's very specific. You know the, you know the comedian Rob Delaney? He was on that show Catastrophe with Sharon Horgan. Ryan, do I know Rob Delaney? Oh my god. That when I watched yeah. Catastrophe, I forget when it was like first coming out and I he it's daddy. He's daddy. He's daddy and it's everything I want. Basically my type is, you know, Rob a Delaney. broad, hairy chest. I want thick thighs. Yeah. I want a giant ass, yeah. and usually those bodies come with a giant dick, just because of like the you know it's the sizing. Yeah, it's science. I can't, can't explain it. Um, and yeah, it's dad, it's dad, and it's dad, it's daddy, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? And I don't think that he is a queer baiter at all, but I do think. Uh, he- I think he is. Are you kidding me? Well, I think that Funny. he's hot. I think he's hot enough that I don't care that he's queer baiting. The fact that his profile picture was for years—I don't know if it still is—like the picture of him hands on his waist with a speedo yes. on. No, every every post he makes is basically him in like short shorts, showing mm. off his massive hairy thighs, and like, and he like he like showed off his butt. There was like one really important picture of him at the doctor's office with like, and then he was wearing a gown with obviously the ass exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Like he knows what he's doing, and I, you know what? I don't care. Honestly, I'm like queer bait me to filth. I don't give a shit. There's enough gay people to go around. Like, go ahead. I just hope. That he is at one point let one of his gay friends touch it a little bit with his consent. Uh, yeah, I think I don't think he would really be that worried about that. I think he would feel very comfortable with himself to like basically let let that happen. I also love Chris Maloney, obviously. Mm. Um, I mean, give me a break. So that's very, very much my vibe. Is like dad, like withholding dad, or like you know someone who like 
I feel like would be like vaguely rude to me in middle school. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, the the bullies from my youth uh, can unfortunately get it. But do you think that if we are as adults saying this, do you think that it's partly because it's more in in terms of like body hair is having a comeback, or, or do you think like people who are gay but are still in their youth right now, do you think they're also pining for Chris Maloney, Rob Delaney types? I think it's very specific. I think if it's your thing, honey, it's your fucking thing. And like, I just feel like, I don't know, like when I was younger, I wasn't very sexual. Like in my 20s, I was like basically dating like a 24-hour Dwayne Reed to get my Percocet refills. (laughs) Um, So that's sort of the extent of my sex life in my 20s. And then I met Jonathan when I was 28 and we were like monog for a couple of years because, you know, I'll try any drug, you know, once. (laughs) Um... And now we're open. And so this is the first time as an adult that I've been able to be like, oh, like, what turns me on? Like, what am I really into? And, you know, I always believe, like, why would you, you know, eat what you can get at home? And so, like... Sure. So you're like, we wh- why don't we go off menu and get an exotic something something? I want I want a pop-up dinner series of just, yeah, I want to be served dad after dad after dad after dad, for sure. Like, that is absolutely, like... <clears throat> a 50 year old who's like in kind of like a muscle daddy that is really like the g-spot ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, For sure. The G-spot for sure. So then since you're being so open about the openness, did you find like the two years that you were Monog gave you the like structure of trust that you needed or do you yeah it's foundational yeah but like the thing is with jonathan like he's my first true boyfriend and i kind of knew like once i met someone that made sense and was really because i was also very picky i I had this weird kind of like 
mixture of like deep well of self-loathing while also being like i'd get lunch with me (laughs) um so like it was very confusing to like have these really high standards when i truly thought i was gay grendel so it was really Mm. hard to reconcile that and then meeting jonathan i was like oh my god he's so hot he's so funny he's so smart without being mentally ill important distinction and it was off to the races i kind of knew and so you know from the jump i told him i was like oh honey like I'm going to need to like venture out of these waters because I never got so mild oats and yeah. I knew that that would be important, but it actually took years. Like even after we like the, the openness had been happening, the door was like only slightly ajar because I still had a paralyzing fear of rejection. Oh my God, mm. beyond, beyond. And I had to really work to get over that. And I had to really understand that like, if someone rejects me or if someone doesn't want to fuck me, it's really not that deep. Yeah. But that was just like, that was work that I had to do. And then once that really uh, sunk in there, it was very off to the races. You know what I mean? Off to the races, we go into the dick in my hole. Do you, yeah. uh, so was your fear, the, the rejection fear was basically like, if you were to re- be rejected, it would make you feel like you had no worth on this earth. Is that like, was that like the world would end vibes? You know, being gay and disabled, the first thing that happens is society just chops off your dick. Because right. they're just like, we, he won't be needing that. Okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, like, you spend your whole life kind of just, like, looking to reattach your penis. And so, I was always operating from a place of, like, mm, I'm unfuckable. Like, if I pursue someone, I will be perceived as lecherous and it will be tragic and da 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 I mean, you know how it is, like, being gay where it's, like someone you want to fuck like hits on you and you're like oh my god slay yeah. love and then someone you don't want to fuck does it and you're like you disgusting you're like have some decorum please you know what i mean they completely so, disrespected my boundaries meanwhile yeah I have a that is someone. not cool yeah totally exactly like i don't know what that yeah what that was about <laughs> then like a cuter version of that and you're like oh my god amazing thank you for noticing me and thank you for seeing me yeah put your hand um, on my throat yeah please um so I was really, really, yeah. And honestly, that was also compounded by doing special and like basically having to hire these gay men to like play my love interest, which made me feel so tragic and like made me feel so insecure and weird. So I had to do a lot of, that was, that was really tough for me, that aspect of the job. Well, too. part of it was, that made you feel tragic was it that you felt like the hiring of them was the only way to like i'd obtain them yeah well it was like i don't know i think i was i I think it was like a seven layer dip of stuff i felt like people would be like oh my god like ryan could never get that person in real life this is is fantasy blah 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 and and then i felt like oh i mean although i basically had hired you know guys that i was friends with like max jenkins who plays my boyfriend in season two was mm-hmm. a, is a friend of mine and i felt very close and safe with him it's just a very like weird dynamic yeah and I think it like brought it brought up a lot of issues of feeling worthy and like you know what i mean it was just it was very it was very strange and it was very hard for me to navigate right and I had, like you know and like i have a hard time like even like letting go i remember like on queer as folk like johnny sibley who played my boyfriend we had this like makeout scene he's like you know you can like go for it like i'm going for it and i feel like you're hesitant and i'm like yeah because i just feel like i want to be i i just feel it i felt paralyzed you Mm. know what i mean it was just such a weird anyway so i think that you wrote somewhere (laughs) that 
it was kind of depressing when you would have you would show special to test audiences and they were worried about that your hookup experience was going to be like like he was going to get humiliated exactly and then you're like no it's actually he has this great experience and i i think that the way that you write in special and and all the projects you have about sex and like i think it's so unfortunately to make it sounds a little cringy but like it's like an important thing to do because sexuality is such a normal human reaction and especially coming from a place where you want to put your dick back on your body because society is taken away from you it's like like yeah if no one else is going to do it you have to and i think that that's it's so hot to see because it's coming from a place of yes like celebrating the the body but it's also coming from that seven layer dip that is giving it substance you know yeah i don't feel the way i felt in special anymore at all i feel really grateful to like have worked through a lot of that stuff and now like i truly have like almost abnormal high self-esteem i feel like i've overcorrected (laughs) no you no that that i wish that for all of us and i because i think i'm on a journey too of of a similar place of self-esteem and worth because i went through many years where i was like okay i'm just this in the industry like for a while i was only thinking i could only be an actor and of course Mm -hmm. actors have no value or worth or are told to have no self-respect because it's like you're on the bottom of the totem pole you're a piece of shit well you have no control and no control i I, I can't like the actors i feel so much empathy for them because they really i mean control is an illusion obviously but like but i feel like with writing you know i always say to myself whenever i'm like kind of bumping up against a wall i'm like oh i'll, I'll write myself out of it i'll write because uh, i always have you know what i mean yeah i'll write myself out of it and i feel like with actors um you really can't like act no. your way out of it and by the way <laughs> i the past because marla marla wrote titanic that's right. how she did it. you know what i mean like she wrote herself a new ticket and listen that is partly why my life has been the way it's been for the past five ten years is because i first was told in acting school and everything that i could only be a certain thing and i had no worth otherwise and so i believed it but then once i realized that i'm what people might call specific slash gay and jewish so then i was like if i need to be a writer to be able to make anything happen and then the thought became well i am i have no intelligence or i don't have a voice and i can't do that so then i'm now fucked and then it became oh i will do it with another person because they have the ability and so i started i had a writing partner we made some great stuff. And then the pandemic hit. We couldn't do anything. And then I thought, oh, well, now I can't do anything by myself. I am a piece of shit. And then this podcast came out. And I was like, but it's going to be a piece of shit. And therapy every week, I said to my therapist, I'm just worried it's a piece of shit. And I'm a piece of shit. And then they're like, well, A, what if it is? And B, just yes. move forward. And then I had to like, so the past three years has just been me doing what you said you were doing, the overcorrecting of the self-esteem and the value. Because And now I know that I have so much value. And I'm trying to, I guess, make up for lost time. But just like... I would much rather have the overcorrection than the the feeling that I can't achieve anything because I'm limiting myself. That makes so much sense. I mean, I think I have I had wild cognitive dissonance for a long time because I felt like in terms of career, I've always been crazy confident. Like mm. I've always been like, oh, I'm going to have a TV show. Like I'm gonna win it. Like I literally, I mean, it sounds crazy, but like to achieve these things, you need a sprinkle of delusion. Yes. You really do, especially when you are a fucking gay disabled person where there's no roadmap or reference point for anyone like you. It really is like very cliche, but it's very fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I am just so driven. I'm so type A. I'm so ambitious. And like, honestly, a lot of it is like me proving society wrong. It's like me, it's like me going through 
life as a floating pair of glasses and being like, no, I dare you to look at me. You cannot look away. It's like defiant. You know what I mean? It's absolutely defiant. It's a giant fuck you. And I think that is kind of what gets me out of bed every morning, which I don't think is really healthy, but it served me like well in some ways. But so that was really weird to like possess this sort of like bizarre amount of confidence in one area of my life, an area that I knew so many other people struggling with and then have this absolute fear of like talking to a guy at a bar. You know what I mean? That does make sense though. Cause I think that there are a lot of people who find that they cannot translate a certain skill or, or, or um, confidence from one part at all to another, even though we're all in one body and one brain. Cause I think in yes. a way I was the opposite of you because I turned, I was like always so horny that I would uh do anything to like get the date or the person whatever and so then you know i've been with matt for about 10 years and i slay and then i realized while i had the confidence of like dating in the relationship or whatever which actually i will say had many a baggage too because of my parents etc etc but then the career confidence like i had the ambition but not the confidence and so like it's it yeah it's all just one big mind fuck of trauma well, you know, to be to be totally honest with you, like I feel like I experienced crisis in my confidence for the first time in my career semi recently, mm. coming off of my novel coming out, Queersville coming out, you know, my Queersville got canceled, and I was sort of like, kind of almost felt like I was like spit out of a machine that I was in for three years or four years where I was like uh, working nonstop yeah. and sort of like on this treadmill that I felt really happy to be on and because it was just like it was just crazy like my life really did change in this insane way that i was sort of hoping for and then it sort of feels like when that stuff goes away you're starting from scratch which isn't true because obviously like what you've built matters and blah, blah 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 but i remember being very like spit out this fall and being like okay like what now yeah. and then also i was burnt out because i hadn't had a life in a couple of years and i really hadn't been participating in the world i was just sort of like jack nicholson in the shining like tippy typey typey and you know when you talk about the gay sex of it all i really appreciate you appreciating it because i feel like gay sex for better for worse is my muse and i say for worse because i still feel like in order to be a gay person that achieves a certain level of mainstream success you kind of need to chop your dick off yourself you kind of need to be palatable to women and to gay men. And the reality is, truly, 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 and I don't think this is things that this is something that someone would be conscious of. I think gay sex is still really uncomfortable for a lot of people, and they don't really want to see how gay men do sex. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like you have this choice where it's like you can become like the gay for women and like whatever whatever or you can be the gay guy doing stuff for gay men <laughs> is the like, gay man you know is for sure is the gay guy doing stuff for gay men is is that leaning into the sex or is it still yes okay. yes that's what i mean like yeah. like being being very candid about gay men and our relationship to sex and being very very honest about it and like i mean you know i really really believe that for you know i have made I always make gay stuff for gay people. Yeah. I'm not holding anyone's hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not explaining anything. Like, Yeah. Okay, this is very inspiring to me because I 
have had many a crises recently in the past couple of years about, for example, someone asked me if they were trying to be like a businessy sense for this podcast. They were like, who are you making it for? And I went for a second. I was like, well, if I make it for women who watch Bravo, that might be like a more palatable thing that is like maybe smarter. And then I realized the more that I was like trying to force myself into a way that didn't feel organic, which by the way, there are a lot of amazing women that listen to this podcast that are the blood of this podcast in ways. But also, I wanted it to, I realized that the most authentic version of this was actually creating it for me as a younger person wanting to feel that I wasn't alone in the difficulty of accepting myself and like and also like you're saying you're giving a big fuck you to the world about like being told different things and that's how you get out of bed in a way this is my fuck you to the horrible straight men in my high school that made me feel so little and to the horrible things that were said to me and so a lot of that is meant for the gay people the queer people the gay men who have been through that as well but I think the more honest I can be with myself about that then even if I'm not quote-unquote making it for a certain other type it actually still translates because it is about whatever it is overcoming etc but on the other side of it i went through a period of like posting thirst traps i think as a way to just make myself feel better and i think that Mm -hmm. i realized that wasn't the right way and i look at your social media and not only are you so fucking hot which i don't want to make it awkward but come on now fucking so hot but also (laughs) it again it, it there's that there's a depth to it and i aspire to be able to like do a picture of me with my future book over my naked form like you did and just be like this hashtag this is me hashtag Pasek and Paul well look I'm not surprised that this is the journey you've been on because I feel like I have been there as well like when I talk about this fall I was like okay like I've talked about gay sex so much like and I'm still so inspired by it but like maybe I'll make something that feels slightly more commercial because the annoying thing Mm. I think about my voice is that I actually do think I'm inherently kind of commercial but I think the things that I choose to talk about are, still have taboo and stigma yeah. so it's really frustrating i'm like no babe this is actually kind of like a nora efron moment but, but it's just like i'm yeah. talking about disability and ill sex so yeah. it's like that then then it immediately becomes cringe and i feel like when you do talk about taboo stuff it needs to be told in this sort of like serious kind of like overwrought oscar baity way mm-hmm. and i think like the humor immediately makes people think it's not as serious or not as deep mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it becomes frustrating but here's the thing you can you can run yourself ragged and insane thinking about all the ways that your work is going to be perceived and you can, you know, turn yourself into a short order fucking cook trying to like make something for everyone. It does not work. It really does not work. You have to like, because writing and making something is such profound hell that you have to be having fun doing it. You have to, otherwise there is no point, no point. Amen. I think that's I think that's something that I have had like to learn in um organically because I found that every time I tried to make something that was for a t- uh, something that felt more commercial but not meant for me, I, it was torture and it was like and and also it kind of sucked. So yeah, of course, because it doesn't feel like it's coming from a pure place. People yeah. do react like, and people do sense that. You know what I mean? I really do think they do. I do too. And you know, speaking of the keeping it to our roots, we got to ask another podcast question, which is Ryan what? McConnell. If the world was ending, you could only save one character actress. Who would you save? Okay, I want to. I want to kind of preface this with saying that i don't really subscribe to the gay man obsession with character actresses i think there are a lot of gay men 
that have Nicole trivia, Nicole Kidman trivia, where their heart should be. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think and they should be working more on their knowledge of their self and not of Nicole? I'm like, it's really impressive that you know who was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in 1967, but like, how are you? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean, not wrong. Like, not wrong. How are you doing? Are you okay? Like, 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 what's going on? Like, what, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Like, what's going on in your life? What happens when you close the door at night and you're left alone with your thoughts? I mean, but here's the thing. I'm I'm a tough person in the sense that, like, I don't do small talk. I kind of just go right into it and da-da-da-da-da. So I think, you know, I can't, like, live on the surface of Margot Martindale or whatever the fuck, you know, whatever's going on. Is that, like, and, but all this being said, I still am gay. I'm still a person. <laughs> and I would say Parker Posey, obviously. Okay, what a, what a gorgeous way to answer it. All this being said, Parker Posey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's iconic she is iconic and an answer did you see that recently she made a quote that she would like to be back in the screen movies yes and by the way here's that reminds me i have something i need to talk about too so scream was huge for me i i not to be corny but i remember seeing scream when i was like nine years old or ten years old in the theater because hashtag my parents are weird sure (laughs) and um i remember being like oh i want to write film and tv that's literally like i i didn't i didn't know i could do it like this i didn't know that it could be done in this kind of way because you know kevin williamson is queer and it felt very gay to me truly well, i was gonna say you knew you knew you liked camp yeah it was very so that to me was sort of huge and scream three which is i would say way unfairly maligned and i know that kevin williamson wasn't really involved i know that that other writer i forget his name wrote it but parker posey gives an incredible performance it is She's fucking hilarious. It's the funniest of the screams, I will say. Mm. And it's because it's kind of off kilter. It's sort of yeah. like, you know what I mean? And, and, but, and the new screams, scream five and six are so bad. And I feel gaslit. Yeah, that's right. Gaslit by all the gays that are like, scream four, scream five. I'm like, babe, that lead actress, I forgot her name. She can't act. Sorry. And like, it doesn't feel true to the spirit of the movies. It's not interesting it's not well written like it truly feels like a generic horror film that is like basically using the lore of the franchise to have an identity which is like so basic to me well i love that you're saying a hot take like this because i have a dear friend and many friends and husband who are big on the screen movies and actually mike patterson who was a guest on this podcast is a huge screen person and i can't wait to hear his thoughts on your hot takes of screen five and six are no bueno so you think that they're Parker- really not good. They're really not good. But I think Parker should Parker could come back and do some. I mean, they need help. They need serious help. Wait, that just reminds me of another. Speaking of like the gay man's obsession with an older female actress, on a post of yours on your birthday, which you're Virgo, yes, yeah, of course, you and me as well. I think this is why I feel so so safe. Slide. Um Kim Cattrall wished you a happy birthday and she did. She said, quote, getting older is a choice and I choose not to give a fuck with a heart with instead of the you and instead continue to work with talented, beautiful and younger people like yourself as my fountain of youth tonic. Oh, my God. Did you copy and paste? Honey, I copied and pasted. I researched. Oh, my God. Kim is the best. I mean, her playing my mom felt very, very surreal. It felt like a gay fever dream. Cannot imagine. And I will say, I was nervous. I mean, she's iconic. And, you know, if you mature correctly and you are 
you are in the presence of actors, um, you usually want to be in the presence of them less. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was really, really, so and anyone who's like a star fucker, I'm like, honey, like I'm running away. Oh, I'm literally yeah. like, I like, cause it's all variations of a theme, like a bottomless pit of need, et cetera, et cetera. But she is so fucking delightful and so smart and so funny. Ugh. And she just gets it. And I had, I truly had a great time with her. And I wouldn't say that. I would just be like, oh my God, she's the best, iconic, LOL. Like, I I liked her. Like, we got along really, really well. That's icing on the cake because I do think that she is an actual reason that I embraced being gay was and embraced like being horny is because I would watch Sex and the City with my mom in an inappropriate way. But like, I, her horniness and just like i'm remembering one of the scenes with smith where she's fucking all night and like they're fucking on a chair on the bed at one point they're like all these crazy positions just like i did think that maybe i could have been straight because i was attracted to her and then once i touched myself in the shower thinking about that i really was just thinking about smith's of course perky ass of course but like but like but also samantha was highly erotic and like her body was incredible. Remember like, the naked photo was, shoot like, like yes, episode? Ugh. Yes, yes. I mean, that performance, I would say, is the hardest to pull off because she has to say lines that are truly mentally ill. <laughs> and But she has to sell them and make them really funny. Yeah. And she also needs to possess a certain level of vulnerability always underneath the surface, which she did. And there's such physicality to her performance. Like, I remember one episode where she, they're in Atlantic City and she wears that pearl thong and then she yeah. runs up the stairs to catch Richard cheating. And she's running up the stairs and she's so exhausted, but she's also having these random bursts of pleasure from the pearl thong. Yes. And you see her oscillate wildly between the two. And she pulls it off so well. I mean, it's seamless. And, and that's like, one of the episodes is- where we get to see Richard's dick, which was... Yeah, very. Pivotal. I mean, I, 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 like, I. Richard is the kind of guy I fuck today. Yes. To be clear. Well, and that's I think probably like why I would have dreams as a eight year old kid about the people who would go to my father's pharmacy in a business suit with scruff. I would, I would dream about climbing up their bodies, and I would dream totally. about Richard, and I would dream about. Um, but do you now that you have worked with Kim Cattrall, do you have any sort of opinion about how it went down with her doing it just like that? like not doing it like not doing it and like do you think that that she was probably treated poorly i mean i bet i mean it's like it's so i mean i don't know we actually never talked about it which i feel like i need to go to gay jail because it was like literally it was it was airing as we were filming and i was doing (laughs) some front-facing camera work talking about how aghast i was and just like that and just like and just like that like destabilized me for weeks like I, i i I wanted Serial to, like, reinvent and do a podcast where, like, what went wrong. Because, <laughs> like, Sex and the City was so iconic. But what I also loved about it was that the rhythms of it felt so correct. Like, like the way that they moved through the city, the way that they yeah. ate while talking. Like, yeah. it just felt like these are real people talking. It felt like you were just, like, peering in. The new one is written by aliens. And by aliens, I mean rich people over the age of 50. And... <laughs> Basically, when you when you live in the canyon for too long, you lose reception. And it's really (laughs) scary as a creative person to watch people who had it. Yeah, lose lose it it completely. I totally agree with you. And I do think if I may make the comparison that and just like that is almost the Countess Luann of television because it's not in on the joke, I think. Which, by the way, no, which, by the way, like, think about how many shows you watch that are just so mid 
and you're like, whatever, who cares? Or they're bad, but not, not in a fun way. There is, I have to weirdly give the show props in some backwards way of being so specifically bad and so good and so good at being bad. Right. And you're right. You've unlocked it, which is that they think they're making a great TV show. Right. And that is what makes it a fantastic and puzzling watch. Well, and I think the budget of it all makes it even more puzzling where you see how much money and the scope of an SJP Yes. Michael Patrick King, whatever it's like, and then to make it that bad. Well, and also, I think also a very huge tell from the original to now is that these people have been so insulated from wealth that they're not even really living in New York City. Like, they do, but they don't. And right. I felt like, it's like in, in the original, the city was a, a fifth, the fifth girl. Mm-hmm. And they had to engage with the city in a meaningful way. And in the new one, it's like, they're eating at like Capital One Cafe, like literally. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ch- saying, Chase Banks. Like, yeah, it's yeah. literally they're eating at Chase Bank Trattoria. Yeah. So like literally, like you're, and you're like, what? And like they're living in these weird glass cubes that you're like, what? Like it's just like it's it's so not New York, but it's like I guess if you reach a certain income bracket, you don't really have to engage with the city at all, and you can use it just as a postcard backdrop. Sure. But like. Like, I feel like the city, like, you're losing... Yeah, it's like, there's no sex and there's really no city, so... And that only leaves you with the and and the the. I know. Okay, well then, the final question for Sex and the City between Aiden, Big, and Steve, who would you rather be naked with in a bed? It's gonna be really shocking. So Big, never. Big was always unfuckable to me. I could not engage with him. I thought he was toxic. Um, Aiden would have been my original choice but in my later age steve is hot and there was a sex scene with him i forget maybe it was in the the movie the first one where they were railing and his ass was incredible Incredible. like he was randomly incredibly snatched very snatched and like yeah he i remember he had like a hairy peck moment very tight body he had a great body well not to not to make it weird but you and steve have a similar thing going well you know thank you for saying that and if it's true it must be subconscious because i also feel like as gay men it's like you kind of morph your body into what you're attracted to hashtag disturbia (laughs) and um that so maybe that's just my well it's no it's no surprise to anyone that i talk so much about body hair and being into hairy men because guess who has a hairy body me and guess who was told it was gross growing up me or at least thought it was so like i we're all we're all yes we're all we're all we're all working with the same material (laughs) same material well speaking of material we got to ask you the final podcast question before we round this out which is ryan o'connell what is the best Whoopi goldberg film Oh God! Um, I don't really know her. Like I don't like I don't. <laughs> okay, it's giving Mariah Carey. No, I know, I know, I know. I was being provocative. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I've never really like done a deep dive on Whoopi. Like I've never like she, there was a profile on her semi recently, I think, in the Times that was really interesting. Yeah. she was like in she was like in Italy. Like I remember and just like living, laughing, and loving. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, Oh, she's like she's lived a lot of life. But in terms of her phonography, like, I'm actually trying to think. So you were never a sister act devotee, like? No, never. I mean, yeah, like, Boys on the Side, Drew Barrymore, like, like that was real. Sure. 
the ghost, of course. Of course. But yeah, babe, I'm, you know, it's the musical theater. It's, I, let's see, RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, truly send me to jail. But Ryan, you are nothing if not brutally honest. And that is why we love you. And that is why you are an icon, a legend, and the moment. And oh my God, you, you, you wouldn't be you if you weren't so honest. And that this episode is special to my heart. And the honesty and the gorgine and the boo boo is everything I need to deed. Um, Ryan, thank you for coming on. Where can people follow you? Um, nowhere. <laughs> but- Leave me alone. Um, no, I'm on Instagram, Ryan Ocon, O C O N N. And uh yeah, just a lot of yeah, it's like nudes at this point. Thank you know, God. I, I I really, really do when you were like, I think I'm using this as like a t- an unhealthy tool for validation. I'm like, is that bad? <laughs> well, like it's hard. Uh yeah, and I, I'm trying to reclaim my online sluttiness and because i do get some yummy feelings from taking the photo or or feeling the sexy and then i'm trying to get out of my head about you know what people would say okay but here's what i'll say like i spent my 20s truly truly feeling like gay shrek when i was like randomly snatched for no reason and just like you know i was 24 like so i was like by law like hot you know what i mean and uh, I just didn't think that. So I really don't ever want to do that again. I don't want to ever be like 10 years from now, be like, oh, my God, I should have been out here. You know, like there's that Nora Ephron line where she's like, if you're under the age of 35 or whatever, you should wear a bikini every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, honey, if you're gay, it should be under the age of 60. I was going to but... say, that stretches. <laughs> that age stretches. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna take this as inspo and you're going to see uh, some, some skin and some hair on the interwebs. Yes, it's good. It's like, it's like fun. Like, who cares? Do you know what I mean? Well, with that in mind, Ryan, thank you. Bless you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.